Parenting Today is a podcast produced by Reformed Youth Ministries. Whether you feel competent or confused in parenting, this podcast seeks to apply God's truth to the culture of today. For more information on this ministry, visit rym.org. Welcome back to Parenting Today. My name is Kirk Cooper, and I'm joined by John Parrott. Hello, John. Hey, Kirk. Uh, We are continuing... Uh, this is episode 6.2. We're continuing our discussion of pornography and lust and uh, a very serious topic and one that um, unfortunately for me, um, I don't, I, you know, I like to joke around, but this is not really a time um, when uh, this is not really a topic that we want to joke about because we take it very seriously. Um, and uh, I, I, when we talked uh, on Tuesday, we talked about the creational aspects of our sexuality and that God has created us for sex. And we talked about um, how that sexuality is broken and how uh, the brokenness inside of us because of our sin uh, leads us uh, to pursue um, our desires in an unhealthy way and in a way that perverts the gospel um, and also harms our relationship not only with God, but harms our relationship with others. Um, Pornography is not a sin that um, just hurts you, Um, although it does. It hurts uh, others as well. Um, But one thing that we mentioned uh, kind of casually, but we didn't, I just wanted to underscore as we start out, John, is that uh, you're hearing this from two adulterers and two uh, people who struggle with lust. Uh, Jesus says he's the only one who's fulfilled the law. You mentioned this um, in our episode Tuesday. He's the only one who's done this perfectly, and that includes uh, your pastors, um, your youth ministers, uh, your husbands, your wives. Uh, every one of us has a lust problem, and the two of us, um, you know, the two of us uh, have, str- have struggled and do struggle uh, with lust. So, um, when we talk about this, we're not talking about it from some high mountain of enlightenment that we've reached, where we look down at those who struggle and be like, "Oh, I wish." that uh, you could get on my level so that you um, wouldn't be such a loser and, you know, such a pervert or whatever you want to, you're looking at two people, you're hearing, it's not looking at, cause you know, this is not videoed, but um, you're hearing two people um, who know what it's like to struggle. Um, and so we want to be uh, sympathetic and, um, and caring and treat um, people who struggle with pornography with grace. Um, so uh, picking up uh, with that, uh, Let's talk a little bit. I think we ended Tuesday, John, talking about how some parents – you were making a really good point, which is that some parents um, belittle um, uh, the struggle of pornography or they rationalize it or minimize it by saying, um, well, this is just something. This is a stage that my student is going – this is that my child is going through. Um, and we were kind of talking about the dangers of that. So before we talk about re- being redeemed, let's – I just want to – to make a note, um, I, I heard a youth minister tell a story that um, his uh, that a parent in his youth group uh, told uh, encouraged his student um, uh, to buy the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, and um, and uh, was was fine with the fact that his son had bought uh, that and. Uh, um, didn't think that it was that big of a deal because it wasn't, you know, out and out pornography as the world would define it. And I think this highlights something that's very important um, that we were talking about before we started uh, this recording, 
which is that if we want our students to stay away from pornography, it means that they're going to have to stay away from some things. We're when we're going to have to stay away from from some, from some things that the world might say is fine. Um, we're not allowed to go down the road of softcore or of lust or softcore pornography. Um, and then expect for our students to hit the brakes, make a U-turn, and come back around and then follow holiness and righteousness um, and purity. Um, and uh, talk a little you, – you were mentioned beforehand about like something like The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how does that play out with The Bachelor, John? Or t- 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 tell yeah. the listeners the story that you were telling me. Yeah, yeah. Like as Carter said, we, we were kind of ending with this. And then as we talked you know, kind of off the show, we realized this is a, a bigger deal we need to, to mention uh, today, but um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, the, the effects of, of pornography on our broader culture and its prevalence seems to has you know has calloused us to, to some things that uh, you know are becoming normal and just kind of everyday and don't seem like they fall in the category of pornography. But I remember a student talking to me one time <clears throat> um, about his mom, you know, watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and um, saying, you know. It's really weird because you know they they're having sex on that show. You know, it's off camera. Of course, they're not showing it on you know NBC or ABC, whichever network it comes on. Um, and the student was really looking to me and was like, you know, isn't that bad? <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. You know, it's bad. But he was confused because the message he was getting was his mom's watching the show and it's okay. Um, but here's a young you know, believer kind of wrestling with, okay, I thought this was bad and I thought the Bible speaks out on it. And so, um, you know, I'm fine going on record saying the bachelor and the bachelorette is garbage. Um, you know, it's just not <laughs> Hot only, take coming in. Yeah. No, not only is it just, you know, poor art, if you can even call it art and quality. Um, but, but it's, it's pornography, you know, it's feeding, fueling lust um, let's just be very honest here, and this might step on some toes. You know, I mean, there there are some, you know, people watching this show because their own marriage is 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 lacking a, a spark, and there's, um, you know, desires in their heart that are being kind of fed from this, um, and that I, I would say it, it's hard to say it's not lust, um, for sure. But to know that you know fornication is happening off screen on the show and just kind of being okay with that. That's not good, um, and um, but, uh, we just need to be stating the obvious there and, and calling that out and saying, without a doubt, to, to borrow a term from Pamela Paul, it's because we live in a pornified culture. Um, we've just become thinking this is normal. But uh, again, I know plenty of people and uh, that, that watch that show and not saying that just to heap guilt and shame, but, but to kind of wake us up to um, what, what's become normal and, and to really you know hopefully get us to see as... Uh, Kurt opened with today. We we all are adulterers, and we all struggle with lust, and we need to um, pray that the Spirit would expose those things in our heart uh, to help us bring those to the cross and repent, and know that we are cleansed because of Jesus Christ. Um, and then, and again, as we talk about this, it's just it, it magnifies the gospel and how amazing Jesus is to think He never ever had one lustful thought. Um, that's that's baffling, uh, but it's it's awesome to to glory in that and to magnify that, and uh, the sin obviously does. Um, so, anything else you want to add to that as we kind of um, get into redeeming? Well, that's really well said. I was just thinking as you were talking about um, just some of the things you said. You know, uh, you know, if if we took it to a different realm, it would make so much more sense for us. Like, 
you know, if you think of what we would call or what the world calls hardcore pornography, if you think of that as like cocaine, you would never want your student to do cocaine. But for most of us, you know, a lot of our students were like, but just go ahead and uh, smoke marijuana or drink alcohol. Um, just don't, you know, do cocaine. Well, if a parent said that to a student, especially a high school student um, or really any student, we would be appalled, right? We would be like, look, step up as a parent. Like, you know, you know, it's okay to have a real boundary. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, but that's kind of what we do with our students when it comes to sexual sins. We're like, watch this, which is lustful and it encourages lust. And is, but as long as there's not like out and out nudity or, um, you know, whatever the line is, then it's fine. Um, then it's fine. And it just sets our students up for failure. I, what I'm reminded of, um, and we've already talked about movies, but I'm, a, I'm reminded of a movie and a television show that kind of highlight this. And this is not an endorsement of either movie or television show, but um, there's a movie called A Simple Plan where some people find um, some drug money in a plane that's crashed and they think they're just going to use that money for good. Um, and, you know, this simple plan, what they find out is that if you flirt with evil, evil takes over and you end up doing things that you never intended to do. And then the television show that kind of works that out uh, over a longer format is the show Breaking Bad, where someone thinks that they're going to do something bad for just a little bit. Um, and then they're going to use it for good. They're going to use it for good purposes. And what they find out is that evil is insidious and it gets inside of us and that you can't just flirt with evil that you've got to, you know, if you flirt with it, that, you know, you're not really in control of it. It's in control of you. And that's certainly the issue here. We can't go down the road and say, Oh, we don't want our students or we don't want ourselves to be, um, you know, addicted to pornography or looking at pornography, um, but be okay with all the things that lead toward that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our our system is perfectly designed to give it give us the results we're getting. So if we're getting these results, then we might need to think about changing the system. Um, yeah. Let's. But okay, enough about that. That's like a soapbox, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let's talk about how. Let's talk about redemption for a second. How are we redeemed from sexual sin? Um, what we're not going to redeem porn. I made that joke in our in our notes. I said John would just cover that part. We're going to redeem porn, um, <laughs> and uh, that's not what's going to happen here. Um, John, talk a little bit about what actually needs to be redeemed um, and how uh, that redemption is uh, applied and accomplished. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it goes back to. Um, as we talked about creation, uh, seeing us created as sexual beings. Um, and, and really, I mean, we kind of um, hit on a lot of this, but but having that conversation uh, with our children, uh, looking at this as a conversation um, that we've got to be, I think where this begins is the first kind of conversation you need to have with your children. And I'd say at eight, nine or 10 at young ages is teaching them that sex is a good thing. Um, that sex is an invention, you know, God's invention. He created it. He designed it. Um, and, and I think they need to start off hearing that. And so that's kind of how we, we redeem this is that that conversation, because they, they are there's going they're going to see all sorts of distortion of sex and sexuality, all sorts of perversion, ways in which sin has corrupted this good gift. But they need to start out hearing, you know, sex is a good thing because so many, you know, have been. John, John, can I interrupt for a second? Yes, please. Uh, I just wanted to say, since you're talking about that, if a parent of a younger child who might be listening to this 
wanted to start having those kind of conversations with their student, like in preparation, do you have a recommendation as far as like a book that they could read or um, that could help them? I have, I have one thing that I know some parents has, have used, but I was wondering if you had any recommendations while we're here about how we talk to our, our children about sex, um, even when they're too, even when they're so young that we might not think they totally understand. Yeah. No, I mean, just one, one this might sound like just kind of a Sunday school answer, but uh, the Bible uh, was what, what I did with, <laughs> with my, uh, with my, with my oldest uh, daughter. Um, you know, it, we went to Genesis and I just read portions of Genesis one and kind of, as I you know, said at the beginning, Genesis one, 26 through 28, talking about be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Um, you know, using that as, you know, this is actually talking about something called sex and then kind of going from there, explaining it. Um, just, you know, it depends on, you know, the age of the child, how detailed mm-hmm. you get, but just kind of in there, you knowing your child better than anyone, kind of explaining it in that way. Um, and then I, you know, went to Genesis 2, um, 18 to the end um, to, to talk about that a little bit more. But then, you know, allowing the child to ask questions. And then that can kind of help steer the conversations. Okay, you know, what kind of questions do you have about this? And that shows where they're thinking. Um, you know, I will say, and, I, you know, I don't want to open a can of worms here, worms here, but, you know, as I did that with, with my daughter who was eight at the time, um, you know, she said, Dad, can't um, a man marry another man? And so um, I'm saying that to <clears throat> simply say she was eight at the time and she already had that question. Um, and so just, just knowing there, how, how much our children are hearing, but I would say going back to your question, you know, starting with the Bible, but then there is this, this book called the talk by Luke Gilkerson, uh, Luke mm-hmm. Gilkerson. And, uh, it's a seven lesson kind of workbook. Uh, it's very thin, very short. Uh, each lesson is, is very brief, uh, but you can use that, uh, very, it's very helpful. And, um, you know, it gets into, uh, just body parts and explaining those things. And so um, I would say, you know, that's a, a resource I would, I would dec- definitely recommend. And I, and I think it's, uh, I want to say it's produced through Covenant Eyes, which some people are, are familiar mm-hmm. with Covenant Eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Uh, one, one now I haven't used this yet, but, um, uh, uh, but, I know one resource that a lot of parents have recommended to me is by Family Life Today. It's called Passport to Purity, and I don't know if you've heard of it or not, mm-hmm. um, but it's also a um, very similar idea of um, beginning, uh, and they have different levels or different, depending on the age of your student. And it's it's really uh, a guide on how to discuss these things with your student. And there's probably more out there than the two that we've just mentioned, the talk and then Passport to Purity. But uh, you know, as we talk about redemption, I just thought it was, it, it would be good. I'm sorry that I interrupted you, but I, no, I thought it would be good for us to lay out some resources because I know that parents, you know, they're intimidated to talk about this with their students, uh, with their children. And, and they, um, and any kind of, they're, they're probably desperate for some kind of guidance onto how to do it, um, and how to talk about it. And, um, Absolutely. yeah, anyway, so, yeah. And as uh, I, I, uh, 
I mentioned on another uh, podcast on the family worship podcast, you know, the uh, God made all of me book uh, by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. Oh yeah. Um, That's, Mm -hmm. you know, protecting, uh, I mean, the subtitle is a book to help children protect their bodies. Um, That can introduce a lot of, you know, uh, discussion around sex and sexuality uh, at age appropriate Mm -hmm. ways. So, um, Mm. anyway, that's just something else. That's good. That's, that's a good word. Um, Thank you for that. Okay, we were talking about, before I so rudely interrupted you, we were talking about um, how we are redeemed from sexual sin, or you were talking about sexual sin. And um, let's say, and you were talking about speaking with your children at an early age about sex, not be, making it a taboo thing or um, necessarily a, um, you know, uh, something that is on where we're a topic that is unapproachable. Um, okay, well, what about when we're already in it what if we what if i'm listening to this podcast and i have a student and i'm already in um the throes of pornography use um how how do i engage my student in that and how do i parent uh, in a god-honoring way um could you talk a little bit about that yeah i think that yeah i mean if, if somebody's listening to this and they have an older student um you know, chances are they're they're seeing this frequently. Yeah. They're they're in the middle of it, like you said. And so, just having this as an ongoing conversation. I mean, like we said, I mean, we're all adulterers. We all struggle with lust. And so, knowing that that's what the Bible says about your children. You know, again, pointing to another Mark seven. I'm talking about it's what's inside the heart, and you know, it lists mm-hmm. you know sexual immorality is there. So it's already in your child's heart. So just kind of expecting that, and, and continuing to have. Just those ongoing conversations. I mean, it sounds very simplistic and kind of just, uh, well, that's um, obvious. But but I think, it, it, I mean, this is a major solution is, is having these ongoing conversations, um, knowing they're, they're going to be struggling with this, um, trying to guide them along, you know, helping them understand, you know, in a theological term, uh, mortification of sin uh, that, you know, we know. John Owen was kind of the one who wrote about that and uh, taken from Romans 8, verse 13, you know, by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the body that we need to, you know, understand, um, as Kurt kind of mentioned, you know, if we think we have this sin under control or we can kind of just mess around with us, it's going to destroy us. And, um, you know, the more we feed fleshly desires, the stronger they get. And so if you're just feeding lust and all this, it's going to get stronger and stronger. And so kind of the, the idea of starving the flesh, you know, again, by the spirit, kind of fighting against mm. that. And so we do not need to <laughs> underestimate that. I mean, the power of prayer, um, that this is where we have to begin. I mean, we've got to begin, you know, praying for this strength in our own heart, praying mm-hmm. uh, that we would put to death uh, lust in our own hearts, praying that God would expose it in our own heart and then uh, teaching that to our children, saying, "Look, this is this is in your heart; it's in mine. You, you've got to be praying, uh, relying on the power of the Spirit." And I mean, that's again, Romans eight thirteen begins with, you know, by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body. That we cannot do this in our own um, strength. And so, um, you know, so some of that, you know, mortification of sin is really seen in accountability. Um, we've got yeah. to be teaching our children. Um, look, you know. Mommy and Daddy, we're, we're sinners, and we, we have not arrived. And so 
um, just uh, accountability. I, I think men need to have men in their lives uh, that are holding them accountable. Women need to have women that are holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. We, we should have said this sooner, but obviously this is not just a male issue. This is male and females, you know, are both struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And statistics are telling us females are struggling with this more. Um, you know, I mean, uh, so, so accountability uh, needs to, I mean, and that can look like a whole lot of things, but I think husbands and wives need each other's passwords on their computers and their phones and just at any time can pick up their devices and check each other on this um, for, mm-hmm. for sure. But there's there's got to be that, that accountability in place um, and uh, just, you know, bringing it to light is kind of the, the first step. I mean, sin grows in the darkness. Um, and so we've got to be, you know, bringing it to light and really how we bring it to light is, is having these conversations. Uh, we're discussing it and, um, and accountability groups, we're sharing it with others and asking for prayer. And so those are kind of some of the first steps, I would say, and really just kind of, you know, rooted in prayer and conversation. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about um, when you talked about bringing, bringing the problem to light, which is like really the, you know, um, they love the darkness more than the light. Um, because their deeds are evil, um, and how it's so hard to confess sin. Um, it's so hard when our sins are brought to light. It's 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 difficult. Um, and uh, you know, in this, we haven't really talked about phones a whole lot explicitly. Um, but uh, there's a great book that I recommend to all parents um, called Twelve Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. It's by Tony Reinke, R E I. NKE is his last name, 12 ways your phone is changing you. And one of the chapters is called uh, about how our phone is changing us is that phones help us get comfortable in secret vices. And that really is the, uh, there's, uh, you know, the lust side and the, all that, you know, the fallout of pornography use, um, whether it's impotency or an inability to be committed or um, to have a good, uh, sexual relationship with your spouse, a real person that's, you know, with, uh, versus a screen. Um, all those are, you know, those, are, it's good to point all those things out. But the other thing um, that we need to point out is that uh, this sin particularly leads itself to secrecy, to um, hiding and covering up. Um, and, uh, and that is something that we want to stamp out in our students as well. Um, not just about pornography, but about everything. We want um, to live a life of open honesty, of uh, confession of our sins, uh, because we know that when we hide our sins, that um, you know, like a weed, it, it grows um, and it it takes root and uh, it causes all sorts of uh, of problems. Uh, in the future. So it's, I'm so glad that you mentioned bringing it to light. This is something that, and we need to recognize too, I think it's important to tell parents that like, you know, if you catch your child um, using pornography, whether you catch them in the act or you find, you know, stuff in their history or you, whatever it is, um, your child is now in a place of shame. And uh, and so the way in which you treat he or she, um, the way that you treat him or her, excuse me, uh, uh, you need to recognize the fact that they are going to be ashamed. Um, and that shame is going to cause them to possibly lash out at you, um, to uh, to be angry that they're exposed. 
Um, and we need to take all of that into account. Um, our students are, are, are just like us, and we don't like to be told that we're wrong, and we don't like to be exposed, and we don't like to be ashamed. Um, and, uh, and we need to take that into account when we confront them with these things, um, that, they, that they're going to be dealing with um, powerful, powerful shame. And yeah. that that shame is um, is is going to be a big factor. If we don't recognize that, we have we might be pushing them further and further into secrecy and into darkness and not bringing things into light. So we need to be careful about that as well. Yeah, and right along with that, um, something that, that's important to say, and this could lead into a, a debate <laughs> between the two of us, Kurt, as well as others, because I know some people uh, think differently on this, and honestly, I don't have the answer, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there is a di- a difference between lust versus appreciation of beauty. Um, oh, and 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 so what what I, what I think needs to be said is, um, since we we've already recognized and we know we we're created as sexual beings, um, some of our children are probably carrying around guilt and shame for simply being attracted to the opposite sex and appreciating mm-hmm. beauty. And we, we've got to be teaching them as, as parents, hey, that's okay, and that's normal. Because mm-hmm. I think some of them, you know, th- there is a fine line, without a doubt, of appreciating beauty and then mm-hmm. it's turning into lust. And we've got to, you know, wrestle before the Lord, asking the Spirit for help and, and fighting that. Um, but I think we need to help our, our children and our students just realize, hey, that's normal and that's okay. And I think that there are many students who just don't hear that enough and they're walking around with guilt and shame that they shouldn't have. They're, they're having guilt and shame over just being created as sexual beings. So what, what do you think about that, Kurt? Oh, I think uh, that it was enlightening for me um, to hear a, uh, to hear a pastor say when I was in college, I guess, you know, uh, he said, you know, it's, it's not a sin to be attracted to someone. Um, it's just what you do with that attraction that can become a sin. Um, if you let that attraction, um, turn into lust and, um, uh, and you, and you, uh, you don't hold every thought captive then, uh, but just to simply be attracted to someone, um, is not a sin. Um, and I just remember hearing that and being like, well, that can't be right. Um, (laughs) you know, Typical me, so humble and ready to learn. I was like, you know, <laughs> telling the learned minister, well, that can't be right. The, um, that's not right. It's definitely a sin to be attracted. And he was like, no, it's not, because you were made to be attracted. Um, uh, you were made for a relationship. Um, but you, what you do with your natural desires um, is what becomes sin when you let them overpower you. And I, it was just, that was earth shattering for me, to be quite frankly. I was like, you know, I've had a lot of those moments in my life, especially in my Christian walk where I thought I've really got the gospel figured out. And then someone <laughs> will be like, no, this is how it works. And I would say that, that can't be right. And then it turns out I'm the dumb one. But, uh, so that happens quite a bit, but I, I just remember how earth shattering that was for me. And students need, need to hear that because our students more than likely, you know, I'm thinking about the average, you know, 14 year old boy um, is in love with different people, probably with probably three or four different people a week, um, <laughs> you know, depending upon who, you know, whose hair looks good that day. You know what I mean? Like who's having a good hair day or whatever it is, um, you know, uh, and you can drive yourself into a very serious state of shame if you thought that you, you know, that just being attracted to someone means that you're a filthy sinner. Um, you are a filthy sinner, but it's not 
just because you're attracted to someone. Yeah. Um, I think that's, so yeah, again, a, an important thing to mention. And I know we're kind of approaching the end. So we want to mm-hmm. give, uh, uh, some, some, uh, boundaries I think would be helpful. You know, we've said, okay, a lot of this is conversation, educating our children. Mm-hmm. They are sexual beings. They're going to have sexual desires, educating them on their mm-hmm. sin and the lust that's there, you know, the accountability, bringing it to mm-hmm. light, um, lust versus the appreciation. That's just kind of a recap, but I think it's helpful for us to maybe just mention some very practical boundaries. And as you mentioned, smartphones, yes. I mean, we know if we're talking about parents with teenagers, uh, smartphones are, are the, the primary avenue and obviously just the internet in general, which could be, you know, a tablet or a laptop they're using. But, but I think, I mean, mm-hmm. one boundary is just that they, they cannot have these in their room alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, having, uh, the computer in a public place, but but educating your children on these boundaries, telling them, okay, this is the the wickedness of porn, and this is how destructive it is, and this is why we're doing this. We're not trying to, um, you know, punish you, but telling them, look, you, you cannot have this in your room. But then also knowing, okay, look, there's there's going to be a point in time where your child's leaving the house and they're going to college and they're going to have a room all to themselves with this, and so kind of be, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, pr- having that boundary set up, but then preparing them, look, you're, you're going to have freedom one day uh, to just do whatever you want. And so kind of preparing them mm-hmm. for that. So that's just, that's one boundary, no phones in the, in the bedroom. Um, uh, what, what, what's a boundary you have, Kurt? Well, I mean, I think you want some kind of device on their, on whatever, on whatever device they have, you want some software on there that lets you monitor it. Um, you want to keep your students away from places where they cannot be monitored. Um, that's why I say don't let your student on Snapchat. Um, because you know, uh, you just, you just want, you know, you want to have the the tough thing about this is we can recommend all these things. Like I'm looking at my computer screen right now. I have covenant eyes on my computer. Um, but I can't do this, but I'm pretty sure that, um, I have it on my phone as well, but I'm pretty sure that, like my students are savvy enough that they can like get around that. Um, I don't know. Maybe they can't. I'm not look covenant eyes. Please don't call me and tell me I'm you know disrespecting your product. Um, I'm a faithful customer. I, but <laughs> all I have to say is that these students know so much about these devices, so much more than their parents do. Yeah. Um, because they're natives, they're not immigrants to the tech, to, you know, to the smartphone world, and so they just know so much. But I think at the bare minimum, you want to have something on there that um that gives you the ability to monitor what's being how this device is being used and i think you want to wait as long as you can to give them that device too um you know you can go anywhere you want on a smartphone um anywhere in the world and see anything and that is a huge amount of power to hand to an 11 year old Mm -hmm. or a 10 year old as i've found some people that's as young as I think you want to wait to give the phones and I think you want to be able to monitor it, monitor it somehow. And I think the third boundary I'd say is, is that if you're going to put boundaries on them for how they use their phones, then you're probably going to have to ask yourself a tough question, which is what boundaries do you need to use with your phone? Um, you know, if you're not going to let them have them and you might say, well, look, I'm an adult, so I can do things, uh, differently. And I, I would, I would say thumbs up to that. You know what? Adults have privileges. We have a lot more responsibilities, so we have a lot more privileges. Um, at the same time, I'd say you got to model it. Um, you can't just say, do as I say, not as I do. You need to model, um, uh, you need to model responsibility with your devices, um, and model responsibility, um, with your, uh, 
you know, with how you um, mortify your own sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you can't just talk about it. You got to be about it a little bit as well, too. So. Yeah. Well, those are some good boundaries for sure and, and a good start. I mean, uh, there, there's so much more that could be said, and I, I would probably I'd assume we're, we're going to discuss this again at some point on this podcast. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. we do need to draw this to a close. And I know we forgot to do the, the kind of cultural artifact on, artifact on the, the episode on family worship, but kind of closing this out, Kurt, I know you mentioned 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Reinke, and that's a, a definitely mm-hmm. a good book and then something – you know, I'm just convinced we as Christians need to be studying technology and thinking about technology from a biblical um, framework, and, and that's that's a book that will help parents do that. Um, I know I mentioned the talk by Luke Gilkerson, and as I was looking that up to confirm that, I saw that there's also a book called Changes, Seven Biblical Lessons to Make Sense of Puberty, and that's also by Luke Gilkerson. Um, and so uh, I'm sure that that's another helpful um, book uh, that, that parents could use uh, to maybe engage in some conversation. So those are two things to say as, as we close out. Anything else you want to add as we um, finish up, Kurt? No, thank you all. Uh, thank everyone for listening and for your patience with us. And John, I will talk to you next week. Sounds great. 